Hello, and welcome to Trending Peoria. I'm your host and proud Peoria Unified alumna, Sarah Meredith, and I'm so eager to take you on this journey as we learn more about the importance of public education and the amazing work our staff do every day to ensure every student is prepared to not only meet tomorrow, but to help shape it as well. What's currently trending in Peoria Unified? Creating safe, inclusive, and rigorous learning environments for all students. One of Dr. Reynolds' vision points in the coming years is ensuring that every student and employee is known, valued, cared for, and challenged. Today, we're joined by Dr. Carter Davidson, our Chief Student Support Officer, and Ms. Lori Garcia, our Director of Special Education, as we look at what inclusion looks like in Peoria Unified classrooms, as well as what their goals are for the coming school year. Hello and welcome to Trending Peoria, Dr. Davidson. We are so excited to have you here today as we talk a little bit about what inclusive learning environments look like and some of the work you're doing in our new role. Um, before we get too far into our conversation, do you mind by telling us a little bit about what this new position looks like and why you chose to step into this new role? Sure, Sarah, that's uh, uh, just an awesome question and one that... Uh, is, is a, I don't know, a, a blend, um, how should I say this? The position itself is one that has, has taken in a variety of pieces from other roles. As you know, Dr. Reynolds, uh, earlier this past year, um, had to do some shifting in our team and really try to look at where the needs of the district were. And um, in light of the fact that we also didn't have the deputy superintendent or assistant superintendent position posted. So I think he was trying to navigate uh, just the, the variety of different areas and roles that that position once supported. Um, also realizing that as we were moving through COVID and, and working through the pandemic, that um, it became apparent that I think schools needed a, a greater voice at the leadership table that are um, obviously where the, um, the excitement is, where student learning takes place, the, school, the schools, of course, and our leaders just needed that extra support. So I think um, when you think about the role um, of chief student services officer, this role now that I'm in, it's really just a combination of a variety of things uh, to include uh, leadership in, in the area of our executive director team, those supporting our principals, um, the leadership in um, principal development and overall leadership development, um, working with our school nurses and our, and our lead nurse, Elise Alexander, um, really working alongside high school. And, and in this case, uh, our athletic director here at the district office, Mark Ernster. Um, and then our, the, a real big component of our, of our group is the uh, social emotional learning team, um, you know, com comprised of our um, lead social worker, essentially our um, lead psychologist, uh, Dr. Walters, and you know, of course, Kathleen Leonard there, and just all the a variety of social worker team. And um, uh, Maurice um, is over there as part of our um, work on behalf of our McKinney-Vento students, uh, those that are currently in homelessness. So it's, it's kind of a, a, a big role that encompasses just a lot of different things, but I think I would summarize it, Sarah, and just that it's a role that is really there to give the voice of a school uh, at the leadership table. So that, that's kind of the way I see it. And I think your other question was, why did I um, choose to move over into that role? And I guess for me, um, uh, having served in human resources here in Peoria for the last five years and three years in a prior district, um, you know, I, I was working and spending a lot of time on behalf of 
what I always like to say, the big people of the district. And certainly that's a, is and still remains a very important role. Um, but I think uh, the superintendent felt like that I had an opportunity to bring a, a total package, a variety of um, pieces of background in, in education, uh, as well as that, that human resources piece, that human side and understanding of how things work on behalf of the adults, but bringing that back to the kids' side and supporting our leaders as they have the ultimate goal of making certain or, or providing that opportunity for our students to succeed and achieve. So I think it was kind of just a position that uh, afforded that was afforded to me and one that certainly allows me to use all, all the skills and background that I have, um, not just in, in the other districts, but here in Peoria Unified. Definitely. And you have experience in that school leadership level. And I think something that's very um, unique about Peoria Unified is a lot of the leadership helps our other leaders grow. And there's that um, desire to help them lead and grow and develop in all these same ways. And I think it's unique, especially in Peoria, but just in education in general, where we kind of all are lifelong educators. So whether it is our coaches who are teaching our teachers how to teach better or our executive directors that are now under you that are helping our leaders to lead better, it's kind of that continued growth that you see in every position. And now you're in a position where you can help those executive directors lead. You can help all those different programs grow in the best way that they can. Um, and when you look back on your experience too, what does that kind of translate and look like to you now that you're working with principals more often in some of those things? Yeah, that's a, another deep question, my friend. Um, you know, I, I got to tell you, just um, starting in this role now, having been in it a little over a month or so, uh, I have some exceptional um, team members, people that are highly skilled and, and educated and, and uh, certainly know their jobs. You know, our executive director team, you made reference to um, the, all these individuals that I worked alongside in those roles have served as, as site leaders and have, in many cases, numerous years of experience at the district level. Um, for me, Sarah, what I really see us doing together is is really starting to align our vision for for school leadership for um, I guess I would say non-negotiables that we would expect at all of our sites uh, as it relates ultimately to student learning but even down to the nitty-gritty of customer service dress code curriculum and instruction you know really trying to take a look at all the different variables that play into running a school, leading a school, and how we can we can get more aligned, uh, making certain that we're leading our 40-plus administrative leaders as principals, leading them in the right direction and, and, and in a similar direction. I mean, we know that uh, every site is different. Uh, every community that, that we serve is different to some degree, but we should have a common set of standards. So I think that's a real exciting um, opportunity for that's in front of me is to, to kind of co-lead alongside my executive director team and and push our schools to greatness, um, but doing it in a manner that's consistent and uh, is, is aligned, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's that idea that we are a unified school district. And so if I am a student over here at Peoria High School, and for whatever reason, tomorrow I'm going to be at Sunrise Mountain, it's that that experience, while it may look a little different per campus, is mostly the same. I have the same expectations when I come to school. I have the same learning objectives and I'm getting that same excellent education no matter where I go. And like you mentioned, all those different things come into play with that. Um, 
as we talk about those executive directors, I also, I especially loved how you said, you know, you come alongside them and you lead with them um, and you help them as they oversee our schools and they help our principals and they are also coming alongside those principals and helping them lead. What does that look like for you on a daily basis when you're working with those executive directors? Well, I'm, I'm smiling and laughing a little bit over here because as you know, uh, the way it looks now isn't how I would like it to look. And what I mean by that is, we, you know, we've come back into the school year with hopes and desires of having a typical school year, um, one that we've experienced for much of our careers. And, and again, uh, we're still working through a pandemic. And so there's, there's, um, uh, there's been a lot of, of different twists and turns already through this first uh, month of school, essentially. Um, so the way it looks now is, is uh, a little bit uh, not as coherent or not as aligned as I would like. Um, but our, our intent, um, well, I guess, let me just tell you, I guess what it looks like now is, is immediate support for our school principals. When, when we as an executive director team and myself as, as chief student service officer are working with our principals, it's uh, immediate support. Um, it's, I think, first and foremost, student safety is at the top of mind right now. Uh, and making certain that our kids and our, our staff are healthy, um, but ultimately that our principals have as, as much as what we can give them in order for them to be successful. And what I mean by that is, you know, right now we're, we're battling the, the staffing or the worker shortage that exists in our society. And so trying to make certain that our classrooms are filled with the right individuals, make certain that we are um, using all the different mechanisms we have to try to find support staff to work with our students with disabilities as an example, or to work in maybe some of our, um, our tougher classrooms. Um, so I think that that's first and foremost is, is just being there, being available. But I think the other piece that I know is, is dear to the hearts of all of us in these roles, and that's student learning, um, instructional leadership. So it's, um, it's a very unique time because uh, what you do to battle COVID, for example, uh, working through students and, uh, in, in, you know, not being in classrooms or um, now, you know, working alongside county and, and maybe having students not in our classrooms due to um, being a close contact to someone uh, that just doesn't give the same experience to students, of course, as it would to keeping them on campus. And our principals are just losing a lot of time, Sarah, um, as it relates to instructional leadership, which is ultimately why they are in the jobs that they're in is because they're instructional leaders. So I can tell you my team as part of our professional development experiences, as part of our cluster meetings, um, we still are though focused on instructional leadership and leading our teachers through, leading our teachers, excuse me, leading our principals through what does it look like when they go in the classrooms to observe their teachers? Uh, what information might they give them from in terms of um, feedback and or areas to improve in? You know, we're again trying to be consistent with that language and making certain that our leaders know how to do that um, because again that's that's where the magic is it's inside those classrooms and we want to still drive home improvements um, and still drive in or drive in um, drive home that idea of it's important for our students to learn um, and uh, as you could guess the state's not holding back Sarah we're, we're still held accountable for student um, student scores on the AZ um, M2 assessment by the state as well as the ACT. So our kids have to learn despite the pandemic. And I guess that's that's one of our challenges, but it's also a real exciting time. But um, I guess to summarize it all back to your question, the way we support and the way we lead our leaders now, certainly it, it does look different than what I hope it'll even look like maybe in two months from now. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, you're stepping into this brand new role, not even for yourself, but for kind of us as a district, we've not had a role that looks exactly like this in our history. And so that is just a huge challenge, um, but also kind of exciting challenge in front of you um, as you're kind of navigating this and what it looks like for your executive directors and your principals. And I think one thing you really hit on is having the right people in those places and where they need to be to um, support our students to the best that they can. When you talk about that and you talk about making sure our classes are staffed appropriately, what does an inclusive learning environment and classroom that is really set up for student success look like to you? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a beautiful question because it's one that I think uh, likely all of us have uh, in education have kind of worked through. It's, it's one thing to have you know, a student body in front of you um, which is typically, you know, made up of all sorts of different types of students, belief systems, um, you name it, uh, you serve who's in front of you. Um, but I think the inclusiveness comes in, what do you do as an educator um, in the classroom? But I'd also add it in this case, Sarah, to our principals. What are our principals doing to ensure that the those that they serve have a voice, that they are allowed to participate, uh, are included um, certainly not excluded. So that may mean that we do some things differently. That may mean we set up some systems or some communication pathways that give uh, everybody a voice uh, in problem solving. I, I think from a principal perspective, one of our initiatives this year, Sarah, is our site councils. And so we're asking all of our schools to go back and revisit the law and go back and revisit their current um, group that serves as their site council at their campus. But we see that group as a group that can be inclusive of all community members, uh, AKA the student body, but that gives our, our parents uh, a voice and gives them an opportunity to be included in the decisions that are made at the site level. Um, not necessarily around core curriculum per se, as, uh, or maybe even around, you know, what is the, the school, what are the hours of the school, things like that, but more so of what are those uh, extra things that are happening at campus what might those um, behavior management systems, such as PBIS, uh, what, how do those play out in front of kids? What might the school's homework policy be or retesting policy, as an example, be? So those are some great areas for our parents to, to get involved and weigh, uh, weigh in and, and really just create and, I guess, model for their children uh, what an inclusion might look like at a school campus. And I know we're bringing back those site councils and re really reinvesting in them, um, which it is. It is one really phenomenal way for our parents to get involved in all of those different things you just listed um, and really have a voice in their students' lives and classrooms. Um, if a parent, though, is concerned about something that's occurring in their child's classroom, you know, we're hearing things all over the news, both locally and nationally, about this real concern that our parents have about what's going on in our classrooms, where would you direct that parent to go if they're concerned and they just want to know what a day-to-day -day looks like for their student? What is their student learning? Where should that parent go? Okay, and, and that's something that, you know, is, is really important. And I've, uh, in my few short uh, weeks or, you know, this first month, I've talked to parents about that, Sarah. So, um, again, what I, how I respond now may not be how I always respond because, again, we're, we're battling through this pandemic. And usually uh, when things are good and, and uh, you know, we don't uh, have this virus out there that's hit, uh, 
hitting all of us. We have our schools wide open. You know, we have parent a robust parent volunteer opportunity, and um, you know, parents can can volunteer in a variety of ways. Can be a part of our schools. Can visit our, our rooms, and and you know, obviously, um, doing it in a way that doesn't disrupt the classroom. But we provide those opportunities um, a little bit more easy than we do now. So during this pandemic, if if our parents have concerns, I would first and foremost start with raising a question to their to the homeroom teacher, you know, or to that teacher that they have a concern about, you know, just just ask the question, see what what our teachers can help them with. And, you know, for me, it's, it would probably be a response of, you know, we usually try to problem solve at the lowest level possible in the organization. And, and so if I'm a parent, and I have a concern about what I'm seeing in my, the work my, my child brings home, or something that they said that's happening in the classroom, I would start by asking that teacher, hey, what's going on and, and try to have that that conversation, whether it's via phone or email, or in some cases in person, if they weren't satisfied there, Sarah, I would bring them to their site administrative team, assistant principal or principal. And again, just laying it out on the table. I mean, I, I hope that our schools uh, and that we here at the district office um, model uh, a certain level of transparency that, um, you know, there's, there's nothing to hide out there. We're here to do the right work by our communities and by our children. And, um, you know, I, I would hope to think our principals and our parents could sit down and have a good conversation about that. Um, certainly, if, if they felt uh, our parents felt like they needed more conversation on their concerns, um, you know, I would probably ask them to reach out to our executive director team here, our, our direct supervisors of our principals. And, um, you know, that's Ms. Lopez-Lira, Ms. Bridgewater, and Mr. Schuff. I think any one of those three could respond appropriately um, to any of our parents' concerns and, and um you know, that, that's probably where we go from there. And then, you know, on some of those bigger scale things, uh, if they start to see trends or hear trends, I know I've met with some parents before and, and um, you know, there's, there's trend data that exists out there, Sarah, I think where over and over again, um, certain, you know, community members or parents might have these concerns. I think that's when I would start um, bringing those concerns to, um, to those site councils, uh, representing that community as a whole and using that, um, using that form, that body to help um, either get answers or maybe even um, solicit opportunity for change. Definitely. And something too, I, I wanted to bring up, you know, just like you, you have tons of experience at a site level as a principal, um, prior to that being a teacher. And it's the same for our executive directors. They have been in those classrooms as teachers, as assistant principals, as principals. And so they have also that lived experience that really helps them process through that with um, our parents and community members that might have questions or concerns um, and really have the knowledge base to help guide them through that. And like you said, also increase that transparency um, for them as well. I have one last question for you before I let you go, Dr. Davidson. Um, one of Superintendent Dr. Reynolds' goals is ensuring that every student and employee is known, valued, cared for, and challenged. That's a really big goal, and I know you are not the only one who is helping him reach that goal, but in your new position, what is some of the work you're doing and beginning to do to help him reach that goal? Yeah, sir, that's a, an awesome goal, I guess, that the superintendent has, or, you know, kind of a, a motto that uh, I know he lives by. And, you know, I, there's, a, there's a few things that come to my mind uh, when I hear you say it and when I read it. Um, 
you know, being cared for is something that's just very near and dear to my heart. Uh, I, uh, you've heard that saying before that, you know, um, and of course I can't say it right now, but basically if, if students know that you care for them, they'll do more uh, for you than, than if they, if they felt otherwise. So from a caring perspective, um, you know, from my role now, certainly where we ask our leaders, we ask our teachers to find that opportunity every single day to show that you care for your children. Um, and that could be seen as a teacher greets the child at the front door of their classroom. It could mean a conversation um, that's um, discreet as they're walking around and redirecting the child or helping them with their work, but finding ways that they can connect um, and really just be that caring adult for that child day in and day out. And, and we would ask uh, if you were to take that up just a, another level or uh, through all our entire organization that, that we are caring for our individuals. You know, I um, thinking just on behalf of, of COVID and what we're doing on behalf of our employees and working through all those shared experiences and their individual stories as they work through this, this pandemic. So just, you know, people need to know that you care for them and that's often seen in the way you interact with them and the way you treat each other. From a, a challenge perspective, um, and again, uh, as I said earlier, we're still working through the pandemic, but our students have to learn. And I think for me, when I think of challenging our students, that's that's a level of, that's, that's rigor. That's rigor in our classrooms. That's planning on behalf of our teachers. That's um, using the state standards and thinking about how our kids are going to be assessed and how are we going to teach them in a way that, that pushes them to that next level, um, that, it, that it's not just status quo um, but that's often done, Sarah, in, in planning. So for me, it would be just planning rigorous, um, exciting, uh, engaging lessons for our, our students in the classrooms. Uh, and that whole known and valued piece, uh, whether it's the site council that I already made reference to, um, or just other ways um, that exist for students and staff to get involved in decision making, that inclusion piece, that's where that comes back, that uh, our, our people across the entire district need to know that they're um, that they're valued and that they're known and that they're cared for, all that comes back to inclusion. How are they included in all that they do to support student learning? And we, we really do have one goal, and that's to make sure our kids learn um, outside of safety and everything else. We, we ultimately are held accountable for student learning. And so if we're all focused on that uh, and we are inclusive as, as um, we want to be, uh, I think uh, we will help Dr. Reynolds um, meet that goal. Definitely. And I, I think that too really harkens back to our um, mission as a school district, which is um, that every student every day is prepared to shape tomorrow. And, you know, I can really attest to that being there and like caring for a child and making sure they're known and they're seen. I know a lot of our schools participate in a program called Capturing Kids Hearts. And I remember I was a student when that was first starting to be implemented at my high school. And you just, you do, you see that pivot and that shift in how much students then care about their work. And I think the quote you were kind of talking about earlier is people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And it's that kind of um, perspective shift that you see and really gets kids excited and engaged about what they're learning so that they are prepared to shape the future and they have the tools that they need, whether they are those social tools or they know those basic math equations. So they're able to go on to calculus and become engineers and all these different things that 
it's easy day to day not to see how they impact the lives of students, but five, 10 years down the road, looking back, being able to see that huge impact. Um, And so I just, I want to thank you, Dr. Davidson, for joining us today. Um, Before I let you go, was there anything else you wanted to share either with our community or anyone who might be listening to us right now um, about this new position and some of the work you're doing? Um, thank you, Sarah. And again, thank you for taking the time today to to let me just share a little bit about what's going on. And I guess as as I end our conversation with you or we end our conversation together, um, you know, all I can think about is how um, rich uh, and robust our, our various communities are and, and what uh, the power of, of every community story and every school story. There's so much power there. Um, the the kids in each in each school and their particular communities, what, what they bring to the table is, is just awesome. And I guess uh, I wanted to highlight that because Peoria is well known for the education that we give our students. Um, we, we have a very good reputation out there uh, on behalf of the students and, and what they're accomplishing, not just in our schools, but when they leave our schools and when they graduate and move on to, to the workplace. But I guess, uh, you know, I'm excited about this role and to, to serve our communities and serve our school leaders um, knowing that we can do better. And, that, and that's what really brings me to work every day is that um, we're going to, we're putting things into place. We're revisiting our systems. We're realigning um, our, just our resources. And then we're, we're going to push to do to, to better, to do better. And then there's a, that's just, there's a lot of excitement there. If, uh, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes a hundred percent sense. I know um, speaking a, as an employee, but also as an alumni, that is what makes me so excited about the future of Peoria is I know that we never stop working to either do better or change or innovate. And so that we can continue to meet our students where they are, because every year we have a new group of students, they have a different set of learning that they've already accomplished before coming to us or different ways that they learn. Um, And so it is that continued growth. And like we mentioned at the top of our conversation that, you know, we're, you're an educator at heart. So you are continually learning and educating. And that is what makes us kind of continue to push that needle and continue to be local leaders and hopefully leaders at a state and national level as well. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And then we do it all together, right? No matter what role we're in, we're, we're all doing it together. Yes, we are definitely all in this together. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Davidson. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to having you on here again in the future and maybe to see how some of those have changed and just to continue to see the good work that you're doing on behalf of the students and community members here in Peoria. All right. Thank you, Sarah. appreciate you. We hope you'll join leaders from throughout Peoria Unified for one of two parent engagement forums. The world around us has changed immeasurably in the last few years. And with new leaders at the helm in our district, now is the perfect time to adjust our approach to education and reclaim our seat as national leaders in public education. Join us as we talk about our strategic plan and get your feedback on what our district will look like for the next three to five years. Our first meeting is at Centennial High School at 6 p.m. on Tuesday, September 14th. We'll also have a virtual option on Monday, September 27th at 11.30 a.m. You can learn more about each event at peoriaunified.org forward slash parent engagement.
Hello and welcome to Trending Peoria, Lori. We are so excited to have you here today as we talk a little bit more about the work that you do and some of the innovations that are occurring within our classrooms. Um, before we get started and start going a little too far, do you mind telling everyone um, what your position is within the district and a little bit about what you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Hi, Sarah, thank you. I am the Director of Special Education and this is my first year in Peoria. So my day-to-day -day is really being hands-on with various stakeholders so that I can um, get an idea of what our department looks like as a whole. We are a very large department, uh, almost about 800 employees, a little about 760 something employees. So under the special education umbrella. So it is a very large department. Um, and so from an occupational therapist to an IA to transportation to um, making grounds accessible. So my day is so different every day. For example, this morning, I started with meeting with um, our operations and maintenance team at looking at a field and how does that field um, become accessible for students in wheelchairs, jumping into a curriculum leadership meeting after that to a parent meeting. Um, and so it just varies uh, day to day. And I am really just trained to get as involved as possible to see the department from various stakeholders perspectives. And you mentioned you are new to Peoria Unified and you're right. The special education department is huge. I would say it's like about 25% of all the staff we have here in Peoria work in special education in some way. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what your background was prior to coming to Peoria Unified? Sure, I feel I am so lucky I um, have. My husband was in the military, so I have been able to experience education in various states. And um, I that is something I'm really fortunate from Hawaii to New York. Um, I've also been able to experience education from charter to public. So I've, I find that very valuable in, in being able to work and collaborate with different uh, groups. And then I had the experience to be able to be at, from a state level position at ADE to district level positions and campus. Um, and so I, I love my experiences, even from that 18-year-old serving as an IA straight out of high school, knowing I wanted to be in education. But most recently, I am coming from the Alhambra Elementary School District, where I served as both the director of special education there um, and director of teaching and learning. That is quite the plethora of experience. Um, and I know you come to us so just having such great knowledge of special education. Uh, you also mentioned that you knew when you were going out of high school that you wanted to work in special education as your career. What was it that really got you excited about working in special education and serving this population of students? I think it was my own mom. And so um, my younger sisters are twin identical are identical twins and we learned i was in high school and i learned that they both had a reading disability and were diagnosed in about kindergarten or first grade with dyslexia um, 
And my mom was very passionate at that time. We come from a migrant um, background in California and special education at that time in the 80s were that they would have to go to a separate classroom and they would get their reading services there. And my mom was pretty adamant that she didn't want them separated and that wasn't going to help them. So she opted out of services and um, decided to get an extra job at McDonald's in the evening to pay for um, tutoring. And so knowing what she went through and her um, passion for uh, inclusive practices and knew the importance of keeping my sisters in that gen ed setting and knowing that they had all of the abilities and just needed that additional support in reading, along with they were diagnosed with ADHD in about third grade. And so, um, again, my, my mom having limited education Coming from that migrant background, she really knew I have to get all the tools necessary outside to be able to help. And that way they wouldn't be pulled out and not out of the general education setting. That's, that is so much. That is so amazing. I know um, just having a mom like that, who is so passionate, that's why I'm in the career that I am. And that's such an amazing role model. Um, And I know you you know the importance of having that inclusive learning environment, having seen that in your own sisters and in your family and how that's impacted them. What does that look like as you're beginning this work in Peoria, you're getting to know your team, what does the importance of an inclusive um, classroom look like to you? And what are some of the steps you're doing to make sure our classrooms are even more inclusive? We, it has really started with that partnership with curriculum and instruction. I love the um, own work within our own academic services. How are we inclusive of each other and making sure we're all coming to the table and looking at it through the lens of, um, do we have all the supports necessary in general education classrooms um, to provide that um, diverse differentiated instruction um, there. And so, so that is some of the work we, we are doing and working. And really with special education teachers and not just our teachers, because when we look at an inclusive environment, we're looking at it from, uh, again, speech and language, um, occupational therapies, sensory, assistive technology, so many different components. Um, are we providing the supports and um, necessary to ensure that the student can be in the general education to the highest extent possible? And that is a big part of we don't want that gap to increase. The more they are pulled out of that general education setting, the higher chance that the gap um, becomes wider for our students. And I know that is something that um, Peoria Unified has done for decades and has really held as a priority. Um, I even remember when I was a student um, in, in first grade, we had a student in our class who had Asperger's and he was, he was in our classroom as much as possible throughout the day. He had um, his instructional assistant who was there to help him. But then, I mean, throughout that relationship building within our class, he ended up being in my classroom every year throughout elementary school and high school. We did best buddies together. And those partnerships and relationships that are built, I think, really, really impacted him, certainly. But I know for me, too, 
it taught me so much about empathy and um, support and so many things and opened my eyes in a lot of ways. So when we're talking about that inclusion, it's not only benefiting our special education students, but also our general education students to a large extent as well. You're right. Um, Everybody benefits from that. Um, Empathy is a huge part of it. And I've always said at as we provide that differentiated instruction um, that may be needed and necessary for a student with disabilities, often students without disabilities, it benefits them and provides higher level of engagement for them. Definitely. And um, I know your team just does so much work and has so many different programs depending on the needs of those students. Do you mind talking about some of the different special education programs we have, like ABLE and PBIS throughout our different schools? So I'll kind of start with, um, I'll go over the continuum and the specialized programs. So we do have um, schools that offer co-teaching. And so co-teaching is our our least restrictive, right? We have teachers, special education teachers going into that general ed setting and providing instruction there. And then we have teachers that do some pullout um, instruction. And that may be for students with mild disabilities, but really need a specialized, um, let's say a specialized reading program or some more specialties um, in math instruction. And then from there, we do have specialized programs that, again, our are throughout the district. We have our ABLE program that works with students with cognitive disabilities, and they're really focusing on adaptive and functional skills. Um, we have our ARISE program that is primarily for students with social skills and communication needs. They're really working on building the, the ability to read people and how do we react to certain emotions? How do we have those appropriate social skills? Very high levels of communication um, And then we have our SUCCEED program where students with social emotional needs. They're really working on how do I um, work on emotional regulation in order to get back into that gen ed setting. Again, they still have one of the beautiful things is throughout those three programs, communication is a focus, but it's different levels of communication and access to communication. And if we, so we have these different programs and I know something too, that is just so um, phenomenal that your team does is a really great job of meeting students where they are and addressing those needs and addressing those gaps as quickly and efficiently as they can with those students. If there is a parent or community member that's listening and they have a student where they're starting to see some of these gaps, what would the first steps for them be to start to receive these? services or work through that process with your department? So if their child is not a student with a disability and has an IEP, but we are starting to see some needs, it starts with working with your general education teacher first, right? What are the interventions in the classroom that can be done to help with that uh, gap or that need? And then from there, the general education teacher will put in some interventions. They will try some strategies that data is taken, really looked at to see, are they responding to the intervention or do I need to try a different um, intervention or strategy? 
The general ed teacher also has um, the ability to collaborate with the various um, groups we have. So many times our general education teachers will collaborate with, it might be an occupational therapist and they're looking at organizational skills or some, uh, how do I self-regulate? And so getting some strategies on how to help that child in that setting, maybe speech. Um, psychologists often will provide some strategies. Again, they try it, may not be responding to it still. Then we have our child study team process where the general education teacher then um, brings that um, child and all the interventions they've done, not literally brings a child, but brings a child's information into a meeting where there are various um, experts in the room and they then look at everything that's been tried, the environment, time of day, um, and they will provide more interventions or more strategies. Um, they'll try those. And again, if students not responding, then they'll maybe recommend the possibility of now we need to look at a special education evaluation. But we really, um, again, try to do our due diligence to ensure we've provided students with um, interventions before jumping into the special education evaluation. Um, having an IEP and a special education label, also um, there are potential harmful effects, right? Students could be missing gen ed. Um, there is the, the heaviness of carrying a label. And so we really try to do our part to make sure we provide students with the supports necessary before going into the evaluation process. And those interventions also, they look so different for every student based on what their needs are and what they work through with their gen ed teacher to try to determine. Um, and all of those different in, uh, interventions go into having an inclusive learning environment to you. Um, and granted, you've had numerous different experiences and roles. What would an um, inclusive learning environment look like to you on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, I love, so I did some contracting work before and I uh, would go visit different schools and classrooms and I knew the culture and the environment surrounding that whole school was an inclusive one and a, and a belief of every learner. When you walked in and you could see students in the playground with you know, various abilities and disabilities playing together and knowing how to play together and how to support each other. Um, and then you, recess bell would ring and you walk into the classroom and there's differentiated seating. Um, you're walking around and students may be accessing that curriculum in different way. A student may have a headset because he's listening to the audiobook. Another student reading um, with a partner because they're reading that same text or maybe that text is a little simplified, but they're, it's the gist of that same story and they're partnering together um, that flexible parts around the classroom. And so it is very, um, again, neat to see when you walk into that classroom environment and students are all able to access that curriculum and be learning the same topic, but in their own unique ways. Um, and it just becomes this very comfortable, you know, everybody belongs, everybody's included, um, and those relationships are very strong. 
That is, it is so special when we're able to see that in um, some of our classrooms throughout the district, especially, and it's that idea and it continues to come up again and again, as I have these conversations for the podcast, and it's that focus and prioritization that every student has access and opportunity to the same great education. And it may look different for every student because every student learns in a slightly different way, but it's making sure that we're able to meet them where they are and then help them get somewhere even greater by the end of the school year. And Sarah, it's so, it's beautiful when it carries over to the community. I'll never forget when um, we had a student with a disability, a hearing impairment, um, and he was included in the gen ed, didn't receive or going, he didn't go to a special school, he didn't receive um, a separate education. He was there in the gen ed setting, um, had an interpreter with him. Well, and he was about, I want to say he was in third grade. They go to Little League, which is a very community sport, right? Mm -hmm. And now the students that are with him in class help the coach because they're so used to working together. They tell the coach, no, we'll, we'll tell you what, what, you know, Johnny needs and we'll tell you what Johnny, how Johnny learns this. And so it was just amazing to see how the students really helped the coach help Johnny. And so I was like, that's what it's all about, right? It's, it spills over to our community. Definitely. And it's when the students are so involved and they're empowered to, to be that support and be brought in and they want Johnny to exceed and just the same way and kind of going alongside him and like rooting him along throughout that process. It's something so special. I think um, we see that at some of our campuses when we have our special Olympics programming. And um, I was really fortunate to go to Kellis when I was a student and be involved in that we are able program. And so when we even had weeks of spread the word to end the word and seeing that go out into our community slowly. And then us just like checking each other anytime we would slip or something like that. And it is, it is a culture change and it's something so amazing to see when it seeps out of the classroom and into that world around us. Definitely. Um, I know this school year is unlike one that we've had in the past Um, And I know you're in a totally brand new role and just kind of getting your feet under you in these first few weeks of the school year. But as you look forward to the end of the school year, what are some of the goals you have for either you as an individual or for your team and department as we continue to make our classrooms more inclusive? We, one of our goals as a special education leadership team is looking at increasing our collaboration with general education so that we can help our students have higher achievement. Um, And so that is going through our PLCs. How do our special education teachers um, attend grade level PLCs? And so they are supporting general education teachers are also listening to and being part of what are the uh, reteach we have to provide or the tier two interventions I need to support with. How's the student progressing? 
So that is one of our goals is increasing. And it's not just our special education teachers, but we're looking at it from, um, again, occupational therapy, speech and language. One of the big things is our speech pathologists have great knowledge on phonological awareness, phonological disorders. So how do they get involved in reading and helping with those reading um, disabilities or struggling readers? Again, all in that um, effort to increase our student achievement. So that is a, a big push is how do we collaborate and come to the table more often? Um, the next one is I'd really, coming in as a, a new director, I wanna increase our communication with parents and hear from parents. So I will be working with your department, public relations on um, getting a parent advisory group starting. Um, and so we have more parent involvement and how do we also get more training out for parents? Um, so that's a, a second goal. And um, our third goal, goal is really our organizational structure. Like you said, we are, we are a quarter of the district's um, employees. We are a large group. So is our organizational structure set up where we have effective communication, effective professional learning opportunities for our teachers? How is information being cascaded? Um, and so looking at our organizational structure is another goal for our department. Those are some lofty goals, Lori, but I know <laughs> you guys can um, definitely achieve those. And I mean, even your first goal of increasing that collaboration, that is so amazing. And that won't even just make your department better, but it'll make both sides of that better. Like we talked about earlier, anywhere what we see that um, kind of collaboration between gen ed and special ed, our students are the real winners in those collaborative times because then they're getting an even better education. A special education teacher might have an intervention that works for a student who they a teacher would have never thought of it without having some of those conversations. Um, and just so much of that, I think everyone who comes to the table then um, benefits from all of those goals. Um, before I let you go, because I know you are meeting to meeting to meeting, um, was there anything else you wanted to share with our community that might be listening um, about your work or about what your department does? If anything, I think it's the, I really appreciate the open um, dialogues and know that we do have an open door. I have heard from many parents and I, I feel fortunate that um, more parents are reaching out. Um, and so that open dialogue and keeping the conversation going and how do we always get better it is really the message I wanna get out. And not only our parents, but our teachers, um, and, and our service providers, like we've said over and over, being such a large department, sometimes we can get lost, but I do appreciate hearing from people and knowing um, and getting feedback on how do we get better as that is the, the entire um, premise of, of our part in education is continuing to improve our systems. Yeah, it's kind of like the goal that affects all of the goals yep. in a way. Definitely. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us today, Lori. And we hope to have you back on again in the future to talk a little bit more about what your department does. But I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Thank you. Have a good day. You too.
you again for joining us for another episode of Trending Peoria. As always, you can learn more at peoriaunified.org slash trendingpeoria or by visiting our show notes. Thank you.